It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Welcome to Green and Growing here on 95.5 WSB. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca. Happy to be along with you this Saturday morning. Here in the studio, I've got some co-workers of mine who I'm just meeting and getting to know, but I can't wait for you to get to know them. I've got Swampy Hawkins from WSB-TV and Shelby Watson as well. Good morning, guys. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So the way I found out about y'all's story, and like I said, I can't wait for it to unfold here, uh, a mutual friend of ours, a producer up at Channel 2, Ashley, put something on Twitter one day about a beehive. And I messaged her and I was like, wait, here at work? Where? And she went, (laughs) yeah, up in the parking lot. We have a beehive here. And so I did some grunt work and found the two of you and kind of want to hear the story and share with people that y'all are newbie, no pun intended, newbie beekeepers at this. And this is something that many of the people in our building don't even know is happening. So Shelby, I'm going to start with you first. Let's get to know you. What do you do for Channel 2 upstairs? I actually work in the sales and advertising department. I do a lot of the digital advertising on behalf of our clients, and uh, I make sure that they have a good opportunity to grow their business just by working with WSB TV. Great. A good partnership we have. So we're on the first floor in radio, Channel 2 and many other subsidiaries of Channel 2 and all that they do upstairs is on the third floor. Swampy, I've got two questions for you. A, tell us about yourself, and B, you have to tell me the story behind the name Swampy. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I work at WSB for a little creative group called Studio Two, and we're an in-house creative agency. We do um, commercial production, and we create content for advertisers and for other clients. And my unfortunate childhood nickname uh, is just that. I was a swampy little kid, my family used to tell me. Uh, I do apparently bring in snakes and frogs and crawdads and whatever I would catch in the yard and bring them inside. I no longer have an affinity for any of those things. Um, (laughs) It just stuck really hard. My real name's Christopher. I've just been swampy my whole life. And um, it's worked out well working in television entertainment. You can have a ridiculous name and people respond to it. Yeah. And in radio, you know, DJs used to have fake names and that seems so... 70s and 80s now that we're <laughs> progressing in the in the world of radio and, and television and stuff like people start to kind of use their real names in the business. I know Ashley Frasca is my real name, but Swampy. So you never grew up in a place where you could bring like gators or crocodiles into the house, correct? I did. I, I was actually in Florida when I picked up the nickname, uh, but we were in Jacksonville and I was really little. I was like up until I was five and then we moved around a bunch. But No, never any gators. Okay, good. That would not belong in the house. (laughs) All right. So, Shelby, I'm going to start with you. It's really good to get to know you. And I want to know how you and Swampy, of all the people in this building and all the people in Midtown Atlanta, how did the two of you get together and form this idea to set up a beehive here at Channel 2? Another fun fact about me and Swampy's relationship is he was actually my officiant for my wedding last fall. Cool. Yeah. He was an amazing officiant. I'm sure Swampy does not want a lot of people to know that. <laughs> he doesn't want to be bombarded, but uh, that's another little fun fact. Corporate, Our corporate offices, Cox Enterprises, they worked with a company called Bee Downtown, and they brought four hives, Bee Downtown brought four hives over to Cox Enterprises, set them up, had them painted. They were really cool. 
Uh, Cox Enterprises sent out a survey to all the employees. Hey, help us name these hives, the queens, et cetera. Cute. Yeah, it was awesome. So I got a little jealous. <laughs> I was like, we need bees yeah. because a bees help the environment. One in three bites of food that you consume came from the support of a honeybee, whether they were pollinating something or whatnot. Uh, so it's actually a really important cause. And um, I went to our building management hey, can we work with Bee Downtown? And um, they were like, no, we actually can't afford that here at the station level. So uh, it took a while, but I got to thinking about it. And I formed a little group. Hey, would anybody else be interested in maybe having some beehives here at WSB? And we actually do have a bigger group. Since quarantine started, that's when we got our bees. Uh, We actually have only been able to really just be me and Swampy due to quarantine and social distancing efforts, things like that. Swampy and I, Swampy is actually, he was already beekeeping on his own last year. So I was like, oh, you're kind of a a bee master in my mind. And (laughs) Swampy's going to correct me. He's going to tell me, no, I'm just an amateur beekeeper. Uh, But he truly, I was like, oh, you know beekeeping. Will you please help us do this? Um, And he was so gracious to offer his support. So that's kind of how we got started. Now, what Swampy turned you on to becoming a beekeeper? What got you started? I, I've just always been really fascinated with honeybees. Just there, there, there's so many interesting things about them. And I literally, and I've told Shelby this, I learn something new almost daily about honeybees. And it's almost pretty typically mind blowing. Um, I just love, I just love the, like the hive mentality that they're all working for a common cause. I think they're like a great example of, of, you know, a, a social construct that's just mutually beneficial they're helping each other. They're helping us. They're helping the planet. Um, and they're just, they're amazing little creatures. And they, you know, as soon as the sun's up, they get to work and they all know their jobs. And I don't know, it's just kind of, I, I like the concept of, uh, you know, being a worker among workers anyways. I just think it's a, you know, something that I believe in. And yeah, I just think they're really interesting and fascinating. And my wife and I um, moved to Atlanta from Los Angeles. And we were on a shoebox size uh, plot of land where our home was and in a really, you know, compact, pretty urban environment. So it just wasn't really an option. I think since we've left L.A., I think they've changed some ordinances and you can have a hive at your home now. Oh, cool. But so we moved here and we were living in an apartment and then we were living in a condo. And then we moved um, to a house with a little bit of land. I mean, to us, it feels like we have an estate. We're in, we're in <laughs> uh, Smyrna and we've got like an acre and a half. And yeah. it's amazing. We got a creek running through it and we have all kinds of crazy wildlife and my wife who's always a champion of all my crazy ideas and hobbies and, and vice versa i support hers too when we moved here she's like you know we can get beehives now and i just i hadn't even thought about it for the longest time i just put it out of my mind because it wasn't an option and now that we are, we're here i'm like oh my gosh we can have hives so we started last year with one hive we learned many many valuable lessons and um, and then the hive absconded, which means the bees kind of packed up all their honey and pollen and anything they could carry, and they left. Um, because they were upset with you or because it was just time? <laughs> they say ask 10 beekeepers and you'll get 12 different answers. That's pretty true that everyone's got their theories. First, I thought it was a couple of different pests that in- invaded the hive. And I think it might have been. I think it might have ultimately been varroa mites, which we might talk about later on. But yeah, and and it could have been mismanagement on my part. I don't know. I'm learning from that. We're definitely in a learning phase. 
You know, and you mentioned how fascinating they are and just how neat it is to watch them. And June, this month that we're in right now, is National Pollinators Month. And that is really meant to promote and encourage the planting of pollinator gardens and non-native, non-invasive pollen plants. So I think it's so important for people to understand. I don't know that it's an extreme statement to say it, but I think without bees and without pollinators, and Shelby, I'm kind of looking at you here, we could not survive. We couldn't. Absolutely not. And something that I've learned in the past year is also that a lot of people see pollinator gardens and they think about the pretty flowers that you can plant, and those are absolutely part of it. But honeybees... And really a lot of pollinators, especially in the fall, love more of like the magnolia, the tree and brush, like shrub type of flowers. Uh, like tulip poplars are one of honeybees' favorite That's things. cool. I didn't yes. know that. Uh, yeah. And a lot of trees get do get cut down. And so that's something to consider before you cut down a tree, especially a tulip poplar does this flower. Um, and bees also like to get pollen from other types of trees as well. Uh, but especially in the fall, some of those, uh, like the azaleas that are blooming again, uh, something that Swampy and I have been learning, and I, Swampy is probably the one that told me this, but during the summer months, there isn't actually a lot that is pollinating. So they do a lot of storing up in the spring to get all that pollen in, and then they eat through that honey and the kind of heat and <laughs> really um, dog days of summer. And then probably around like end of August, September, when a lot of things start pollinating, you know, pollinating, flowering again, then they can start storing up for the winter time to get them through winter. Uh, so that's something to consider. A lot of people think that, oh, you have honeybees, now you can just take their honey. No, 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 no. <laughs> we don't just want to rob them whenever because right. they, they do need it to survive. Uh, so thinking about when you are planting gardens, pollinator gardens do mean more than just like the pretty flowers. It also means a lot of brush and trees. Absolutely. And so you mentioned honey and I, and I want to ask both of you, for me who knows nothing about beekeeping, but I'm intrigued. When do you harvest the honey and is it just once a year or is it multiple times a year? I'm going to let Swampy answer that one. Okay. First of all, we're not harvesting for the first year and that's just something that we've been told. It's like kind of a conservative lesson that you just let your high, your colonies um, establish themselves and, and kind of make it through a winter and, and then they're really strong. So, but typically I think like late spring, um, after like Shelby was saying, like there's that, that, you know, obviously spring, everything's in bloom. The bees are working like crazy. They're building up their stores and reserves and they just by design, they know no limit to what they will store. Like they will never stop that because they don't know if there's going to be a drought or what's going to be blooming or, you know, how much rain there's going to be, or, uh, you know, they just, that's just their nature is to just store up, store up. And what Shelby described, they call it the dearth, which is, I don't know if it's an exact period, but it's kind of after the spring blooms and kind of things like the dog days of summer, as she said, it's things aren't, you know, things aren't in bloom. So that's what they have to eat is just what they've stored up. Um, and then they do, they kind of get a bounce again, I think in the fall when, when some other plants and trees, flowers and trees start blooming and then that gets them through the winter. So to answer your original question, we kind of want them to have a solid year. And then after that first spring, which will hopefully be next year, 2021, we'll have kind of a boon of honey and we'll be able to harvest quite a bit of honey because they, they've proven themselves to be a strong colony and that they can survive. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's great. Now, guys, I got to take a break and we're going to check traffic and weather. And I have some questions for you on the backside of this break. So stick around for another few minutes. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. 
I am with some colleagues of mine who are doing some fascinating stuff here in Midtown Atlanta. Swampy Hawkins and Shelby Watson both work upstairs for Channel 2 and Studio 2, things at WSB Television. So y'all got a bee colony, a beehive. What's the right? What, what do I say? We actually have two beehives uh, okay. or colonies. Either either one. Yeah. Two beehives here in, in Midtown Atlanta, right here at the studios. And I was fascinated to learn that. And it's going to be a process. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, Swampy, I wanted you to tell me really quickly in emails that we had exchanged back and forth, you said that there was a master plan for some of the artwork on these beehives. Oh, yeah. So before before the uh, pandemic, we had our graphic, our art department, their des- the design team who does all the on-air graphics across WSB. You'll see their stuff everywhere. Two of their really talented artists had designed these beautiful paint kind of murals for the hive boxes. So, and bee nerd fact, the colonies are the bees and the hives are their are the boxes, their ah. homes. They had designed these awesome, it was like an Atlanta cityscape and it was the WSB hotel <laughs> with, a little welcome, with a welcome sign and then the cityscape. So now they're just kind of partially painted blue and white boxes with a few scattered flowers. But they're still pretty. We like them. Yeah, proud and, of them. and the homes are nice, and they're going to progress. So when they do, y'all share a picture of the finished product with me, and I'll be sure to put it on the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, for anybody that wants to learn a little more about our conversation today. So for anyone listening that's always had an interest in this and just has not really pulled the trigger to start as a beekeeper, what encouragement would you give them? I would say do it right now. Don't even overthink it any longer. There is a ton of information you will always need before starting but to me the experience of just doing it has given me so much more confidence to keep going and knowing what that I do know more about bees than I thought and to me I find working with them to be a very meditative experience they're doing their own work you're just there to kind of see what they're doing and make sure that they're thriving and alive Uh, so I would just say do it it's easier than you think the sometimes you can make it harder than you than it actually is. We do tend to overthink things, don't we? (laughs) All right, now, Swampy, so you've got a little more experience than Shelby. Tell me what is your favorite part? What is the most fun thing about all of this? They're hypnotically fascinating. I mean, so our two hives in our yard are doing great. But like Shelby said, it is really meditative. Like my two-year-old son and I go down by our hives regularly, and you can get, you know, within a few feet, as long as you're not kind of blocking their entrance, and, and the two of us just will just spend time down there watching them come and go. And you see the forager bees coming in with their pollen pants on. If you're not aware of pollen <laughs> pants, you should Google that phrase because it's amazing. Um, and the pollen, they're all different color pollen that they bring in. And, yeah, we just we just really enjoy watching them. And they're just endlessly fascinating. And we really look forward to getting some honey next year. Pollen pants. Tell me more about that. So that's literally what the the bees have the the ability. Some people call them sacks with different things, but on their back legs, when as they go from flower to flower, collecting nectar and pollen. And I'm going to butcher the factual aspect of this, but they (laughs) move the pollen to their back legs. So they have on both sides, they have these little balls of pollen. And literally, like if you buy pollen in the store, like in a health food store, they sell it at Costco and stuff. That's basically what those little grains of pollen are, are the actual balls of pollen that they have collected together from a variety of plants. And it's interesting, you'll see the, the forager bees going out to in different directions and they're collecting from different plants. Like Shelby said, they love the tulip poplar and they, they come back with different color pollen. Sometimes it's bright orange, sometimes it's yellow, sometimes it's green. It's crazy. And then it, that is reflected in the hive as well in the, inside the honeycomb. You'll see sometimes there's blue pollen in there and red pollen. Wow. It's, it's cool. That's interesting. But they use, 
they carry it in their pollen pants. That's what they call them. All right. All right. So, Shelby, you put your pollen pants on and you tell me a little <laughs> bit about the construction of a hive. I mean, I know just from what I've seen, you know, it just looks like a, a oversized, large, tall shoebox from a distance. But tell me, once you start kind of taking that apart, what are you looking at? Sure. So, it's all wood and there's these boxes. Swampy calls them um, mediums and deeps. <laughs> Swampy, what's the actual size of the bottom box? So, it, so the hives that we use are called a Langstroth hive, mm. and that's the, the name of the of the gentleman that invented them. Uh, I think over a hundred years ago, in the kind of the modernization of beekeeping. And the bottom box is a deep. They call them supers. Um, I'm not exactly sure where the nomenclature comes from, but that's kind of the the brood box. That's where the queen lives and lays eggs. That's the heart of the colony. That's really the, what the that lower big deep box is called. It almost looks like a drawer, and, right? Yeah, it kind of looks like a drawer. Yeah, she said, like, I don't want to take away from Shelby, but yeah, it's like a, it's just a, it's an empty box. And then the frames, these wooden frames drop, set down in there, um, kind of perpendicular to the lid. And they, that's then the, the bees use those frames to build out honeycomb. And that's where they collect pollen. They store there, they put nectar in there and that's what they turn into honey. That's where the queen lays her eggs. And that's where the, 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 uh, Bees uh, grow from an egg to a larva um, until the, a bee emerges from the from the honeycomb, and it's crazy. They have you know uh, worker bees that clean those cells and get them ready for the queen to lay more eggs, and then they the, the other jobs that Shelby mentioned before are the bees do all these crazy jobs. There's like an undertaker bee that when there's bees that die, they just take they get rid of their bodies. There's Nurse bees, that's the first job that they have. They care for the babies. They feed them. Um, there's guard bees that stay around the entrance to the hive, keeping you know, in, intruders away that want to come in and steal the honey. Everybody wants to steal their honey, yeah. basically. Now, Shelby, yeah. tell me, have you have you watched the process of honey being harvested yet or not yet? Only on YouTube and social media channels. Uh, something that I did want to add to what Swampy was saying, we did leave an empty box for them. In the box was this big old bag of sugar water. It was when they were getting started and getting going at the beginning of spring. And I'm showing Ashley a picture here. They started building out their own comb in this crazy, beautiful, looks almost like a roller coaster that they created within their box. And it's uh, done by this method called festooning. And so what they do is they kind of like chain themselves to each other. And that's how they'll start to like make the comb, essentially, the wax to make the comb. And it becomes this perfect hexagon when they're doing this festooning. And they'll all stay like that for a really long time until it settles. And so once this comb is all built out, they'll start storing all kinds of pollen. Or I'm sure there was a little bit of sugar water in here at some point. But this deep yellow leads me to believe it's very much filled with pollen. Uh, so they're fascinating creatures into how they can do that. And you can see festooning videos all over YouTube, that's a great resource for seeing the fascinating world of honeybees. Now, when you want to check on the hive, though, whether you kind of like open the box somehow, I guess maybe you take the lid off. How do you know when to do that, Shelby, so that you're not disturbing the bees? Is there a right time to do it, a wrong time to do it? Well, we actually did. So a couple weeks ago, when it was really cool in May, we were about to check on them, but it was only about 54 degrees. And you really should only be opening the box when it's like solidly above 60 degrees only because the bees do a really good job of they kind of like buzz around each other and they keep their um, 
what's it called? They're they're temperature temperature controlled. Yes. So they you don't want to disturb that because they've created a lot of warmth in there, and anything below that could actually kill the bees. So definitely make sure that it's at least above. I would give it at least 63 degrees and Before higher. Before you disrupt them. Right. And uh, other than that, <laughs> and I hear it's also not great to open the boxes when it's like 100 degrees. So just keeping in mind the temperature and definitely not when it's raining. So as long as it's a sunny day and it's above 63 degrees and not 100 degrees, I think you'll be fine. <laughs> and Swampy, I have one last question for you before we're going to run out of time here. Talk to me about swarming like for someone like me who's completely inexperienced and a little bit intimidated quite frankly I know you always have the proper bee gear which folks can see the picture of on on the Facebook page the two of you and your cute little bee suits but how talk about the safety of that how does one stay safe and not anger the hive or the colony oh I'm so glad you asked that okay so swarming is a great uh, misnomer people have a misunderstanding when a when you see a swarm of bees they're at their most docile, potentially. They, they don't have anything to protect. They're on the move. They're looking for a new home. And that's really all a swarm is doing. A swarm is, happens for a bunch of different reasons inside a hive, um, overcrowding, and the queen will, they'll, they'll send out, they'll create a new queen and send out half the bees with the old queen and, uh, and look for a place to live so they can spread out and kind of grow their, their colony. But if you see a swarm of bees, the best thing to do is, Google a local beekeeper and and have them come and remove that swarm. If they're in your rafters or in a tree near your house and you're worried about them, don't approach them. Leave them alone. They're they're. But I said they, like I said, they're very docile. They're not prone to attacking you because they don't have honey or to protect. But please don't poison them. Don't spray them with bug spray. Don't call an exterminator. They're free bees, and a beekeeper loves free bees. Um, we all love free stuff. So please, yeah, if you see a swarm around your neighborhood, around your house, take five minutes and, and just Google local beekeeper and someone will be happy to come and get them. Well, and who you. knows where they've come from? You know, if they travel like that, yeah. you don't know what their origins were. They could have lived out in Paulding County or Loganville or something, and they're just kind of making their way around, huh? Yeah, I don't know how far swarms themselves travel. I mean, they're usually trying to be efficient, but, but bees themselves, when they're out foraging, travel the typical accepted distance is like three to five miles. So those, a little bee, she's out there working hard. She's flying, you know, three miles round trip multiple times a day. They basically fly until their wings don't work anymore. And Shelby, do y'all have a name for our queen? Not yet. It has, it's up for poll soon. <laughs> <laughs> so we can definitely update your audience whenever we do have a name for her. Both of the queens will be named. So Oh, they each have their own hive. That's right. So we have yeah. two queens. Yeah, We do have two queens. Yeah. Take a class. Yeah. If, you know, you can't really take an in-person class these days. Maybe maybe now that things are opening back up, you have that option. But take an online class. Go to a, a beekeeping group. The Metro Atlanta Beekeepers Association are just great. They're all happy to help you. And it's fun. And a welcoming group of interesting people. Yeah, there's so many Facebook groups where you could find the beekeepers closer to you. Or reach out to your local extension office. If you go to extension.uga.edu, that hooks you up with the University of Georgia system and you find your county. And then when you talk to your uh, your extension agent, they'll be able to tell you what the activities are in your county. So that's great advice. Well, Swampy, Shelby, promise me this. The two of you will keep in touch with me. And even if I don't have you on the, the radio regularly, we will check back up. But I want to at least keep our listeners up to date on the Facebook page. So will you kind of share the progress with me? Absolutely. Yes. Be happy to. Yeah. Be- we'll definitely uh, 
preserve some honey for you as well. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, y'all have a great morning. Thanks for coming by. Thank you so much. Thank you.